welcome to Life Pairings, where two Canadian alcohol connoisseurs mix life events and libations. Hello, I'm Carla Richards. And I'm Brittany Lysing. And this is Life Pairings, because life is hard, so pair it with alcohol. It's that time of year when we all yearn to experience the great outdoors just like our forefathers and mothers before us, where we voluntarily put ourselves in the middle of nowhere, eat food only cooked by fire, and fight over the last ounces of energy from a mobile power charger, as this week's life pairing is camping and Long Island iced teas. We're talking campfires, hot dogs, and bad, bad booze. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you're quite the camper, Brittany. Buddy, I love camping. I love it <laughs> so much. It's, uh, I, my family's always, I've always camped since I was a, a kid. We've always gone out, uh, whether that be here in Canada or down to the States. Uh, we're big uh, campers, like to camp, drink, and boat. We're like, uh, you know, mm. kind of, it's really, the redneck in me really shines through. <laughs> Is boating redneck? I don't know if boating's redneck. I don't know if you're drinking and playing cards in the middle of a lake on a boat I, I don't think you're having an intelligent conversation i'm gonna go out on a limb there <laughs> and some uh, there's been some uh, card squabbles mid-lake that have had to be oh. dealt with oh yeah, that's dangerous because you can't escape you can't escape you're just gonna be there for your aunt yelling at your cousin that's what's gonna happen <laughs> <laughs> yeah man i love i love camping it's it's nice to get outside it's uh to me it's family friends and and a little bit of a escape from uh the real world yeah yeah you are you you're you love camping i do love camping but i haven't been for maybe eight to ten years the last time i went camping actually was in the uk which is a totally different kind of camping you're basically in a pub garden uh just like just in the pub (laughs) they have like a backyard and you just hang out there um you also can leave all your food out because there are no natural predators in britain (laughs) So it was a very hard thing for me. Yeah, it got very, it got very confusing for me. Um, So yeah, so I haven't been, I live in Vancouver, so no one goes camping here because. Because it's like, you're surrounded by mountains and trees and beautiful places. It's all Albertans that come out to British Columbian camp. What the heck's going on? Yeah, well, I think you can't, you have to like get a spot like six months in advance. And then the problem is, it's Vancouver, so our favorite thing to complain about and do is complain about the noise of anything, (laughs) and then when there's bad weather, cancel everything that we want to do. So if it rains, that's it. You can't go camping, even though you book six months in advance. This is what you live for. When it rains, you just... Those are are (laughs) days where you're like, it rained, so we couldn't do anything. All we could do was drink. Maybe this is just my, I'm sensing a theme here with my yes. family. Just like, <laughs> ooh, too sunny, better have a couple extra beers. Oh, too rainy, better stay in and drink Whoa. more. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> There's, um, Dave Barry had a quote that it always rains on tents. Rainstorms will travel thousands of miles against prevailing winds for the opportunity to rain on a <laughs> that's, tent. I feel like that's the best sleep too, though. Like. Oh, it when is. it it's rains, so like the sound of rain on a tent, knowing that you're not going to get wet and you're just going to lay there and listen to the pitter patter. Oh man, beautiful, yeah, it's Be- perfect. beautiful way to fall asleep. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But uh, I did some deep diving, Carla, some deep diving into the psychology of camping. (laughs) Yay. And here's what I found out. As luck would have it, the great outdoors has an incredibly positive effect on the great indoors. I don't know if you see what I did there. That's, uh, I mean, your body and your mind, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Unplug from the real world and shed the stress and anxiety that is interacting with other people and the technology that continually connects us against our will. You know what doesn't stress you out, Carla? Trees. You know who Mm. says so? Science. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Researchers at the University of Boulder, Colorado say that camping offers the body and the mind reprieve from real life. By following the sun's schedule, you are more likely to fall back into your natural circadian rhythms, therefore being less groggy and less stressed out the next day. So if you just, like, wake up when the sun gets up and you go to bed when the sun goes down, you know, you're going to feel good about it. So you're, like, you're, like, living how you're supposed to live and sleeping how you're you're supposed supposed to be, you know, you're not supposed to have screens in your face and up all night and sleep until noon. You're kind of, you're supposed to be up at, like, 6 a.m., and you're so- <laughs> that's mostly because like i think tents also have that kind of weird heating insulation thing so as soon as the sun comes out it's suddenly four thousand. that's exactly what it is and it's, it, the sun in on a tent is a subtle reminder that you drank too much the night before it's like hey, <laughs> hey remember what being hot under kevlar feels like run so you gotta get out. I looked, yeah. I looked into it. There's a lot of positive effects. The Huffington Post writes that outdoors are crucial for mental health, especially if you are a city dweller. Researchers at the University of Michigan found that just a few minutes of walking in nature can reduce depressive symptoms, which hmm. is common for people who live in urban spaces. That's us. I was going to say, Carla got me one of those uh, lights that uh, keeps me from hurting myself so that the sun finds my little eyes. <laughs> The sad light, the, the seasonal affective disorder light. I was staring into one today. Yeah, me too, buddy. Me too. <laughs> the shit thing is that it was sunny outside. I just pulled down the blanket. <laughs> You're like, I don't want any of this natural yeah, shit. I'm going to take the uh... natural light. <laughs> Do you take your natural light and shove it where the sun don't shine? Ooh, I did another pun and that one was by accident. Oh, oh good. <laughs> In another study, Stanford University found that spending outdoors can help reduce rumination, the obsessive negative negative thinking that could potentially lead to mental health issues, and then I put as a side note, or a career in comedy. Or as a writer, or (laughs) just and that's all I do, ruminate. Ruminate, yeah, just think obsessively over and over again. And my from the study of my mom's university, she says, mind your own business, we're trying to have a good time out here. That's what I put. Camping is getting up early, going to bed late, and pretending for a hot minute that marshmallows, hot dogs, and copious amounts of alcohol are good for you. It's carrying bear spray, knowing full well that if you actually encounter a bear, you will die, and it's being okay with that. (laughs) Yes. So, uh, me, science, and my mom say, so pop a tent, play a drinking game that involves a frisbee, and wait till... The mental health benefits wash over you, Carla. That's my, my that was my psychology Ugh. study this week. That's great. That's uh, that sounds a lot more fun than uh, staring into a box light and taking medication. <laughs> um, you know, and this goes back to last week's uh, uh, topic as well. Beaches. It's just 
being outside and taking in the indoors or sorry taking in the indoors taking in the outdoors <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and just letting getting away from things and people and screens and and uh and that kind of thing it's good for you yeah yeah no that's good i do a little deep dive myself into uh a historical story about camping let's hear um so obviously recreational camping is a fairly new phenomenon because historically people camped only for travel or war. Right. So I'm pretty sure they think we're very stupid for leaving our air conditioning and TV to hang out in the woods for fun. This is very this generation, like the last two, three generations, just to be mm-hmm. like, it's fun to pretend we don't have stuff. <laughs> exactly. And then we can come back and hang out with all of our stuff. <laughs> So today I'm going to tell you about the most important camping trip in America's history. Oh my god, let's hear it. All right. Do you know anything about Theodore Roosevelt? Old Teddy. Yeah, man. Yeah. He was, was, uh, I just picture him on a horse. Yep. Very noble man. Short, short in stature. Those are the things I know about him. Mm Mm-hmm. Got a good mustache. Good mustache, yeah. Yeah. He's, um, he's been stalking me lately. (laughs) <laughs> in books and TV shows, he was in The Alienist. He was in a couple of uh, historical books I was reading, and so thus I then became an, kind of obsessed with him. He was the Republican president from 1901 to 1909, hugely known for masculinity. So, like you said, picturing him on a horse—that's that's totally perfect, right? He was a big game hunter, bit of a warmonger. So, but. <laughs> Love the wilderness. Call that short man syndrome now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. This actually stemmed from his childhood, which you might relate to a little bit. He uh, He was quite sickly as a child because he had asthma. Obviously, back then, they didn't really have inhalers. No. So he, through strenuous activity all through his early life, overcame this. Oh, nice. So almost like a compensation for him being uh, sickly as a child, he decided to just become like super macho. He was like, I'm gonna outdo them. Yeah. My bully yeah. just my bullies just called it my sissy machine when I used my inhaler. <laughs> ah. I know. I was like, I can't breathe. <laughs> so in 1903, while doing a cross-country tour while he was president, he asked the renowned naturalist John Muir to take him uh, camping in Yosemite, which is in California. Okay. So I'm sure from Muir's point of view, you can you can kind of guess what he was thinking. Like, oh, i got to take this government official on a camping trip. Yeah. Zero fun. Yeah. Uh, he was even less impressed when Roosevelt showed up with photographers, 30 Buffalo soldiers, and various other political diplomats for the trip. But Roosevelt had a plan, which I love. So they snuck away from all of the, like, this delegation with just some heavy blankets. And he and Mir disappeared into the wilderness to camp at the bottom of a giant sequoia tree. Ooh. No tent. Just blankets. Man's man. Yeah. And I think they had, like, some cooks. So, you know, they weren't <laughs> they weren't dying. But over the next three days, uh, Mir spoke on the importance of the area. Of uh, This was also the sort of Mariposa Grove, which is where these huge, huge, huge trees come from. And then the natural history of Yosemite. Then, as usual on a camping trip, the weather went a bit south, and they awoke to be covered in snow. Again. No tent. 
no tents. <laughs> just like, I was looking for a blanket, not a blanket of frozen powder. Yeah, exactly. So usually you think like a president. I mean, I don't know if I can see the current president uh, in this situation. I can see him under a blanket full of another kind of white powder. <laughs> <laughs> that man is on crushed up Adderall for certain. Oh, yes. Um. So rather than bulk at this idea or, you know, complain about his lack of tent, Roosevelt later told everyone, we slept in a snowstorm last night. This has been the grandest day of my life. I love how the manliness uh, uh, has changed over the year. The grandest time of my <laughs> life would not be <laughs> spoken by a true manly, true man's man in this day and age. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. I mean, he was very, very posh. He was a uh, sort of the East Coast. He wasn't grown up rough. Right. But the reason this was whole this whole thing is so important is a few years later, Roosevelt convinced the California government to return Yosemite and Mariposa Grove to the federal government for protection. Oh, wow. And then also in 1906, he signed the Antiquities Act, uh, creating 18 new U.S. Mon monuments, which would be like things like the Grand Canyon and the Devil's Tower. Okay. But I love that it's called the Antiquities Act because in North America, we don't really have the same antiquities as like Greece or Italy, but we have like this very rich in like amazing nature. Yeah. It's uh, that you, I'm going to, I'm going to go out of uh, my comfort zone here and just let the people know that I don't know what antiquities means. I guess I kind of, usually I would associate with like, uh, and like, like old things like, Oh, like buildings. Yeah. Antiques. So yeah, like you know, usually they would protect like I don't know the the Pantheon in Greece or okay, okay, I got her. But instead, we're here protecting like the Grand Canyon and natural, yeah, um, natural spaces. Entities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's wonderful. Like that. That's I mean, he probably started a, a trend of uh, preserving parks. You know, like here. He did. You know, here in Calgary, we have Fish Creek Park in Vancouver, Stanley Park, obviously in uh, in New York City. Central Park is very mm -hmm. famous for not being allowed to be touched or messed with. Um, I love that. I like I like that somebody started that. He was like, hey, listen, me and my pal had a man sleep over under a tree. We got a little covered in snow. Things were a little risky business. And I'm going to tell you something. I want this for other people. That's what that was <laughs> man was a giver. Yeah. No, it's good. It's good. So, yeah, that's my little... Uh... Teddy Roosevelt story. I'm sure I will have more in the future as I become more and more obsessed with him. I mean, I just finished volume one of three volumes of his books. That's amazing. Well, I'm going to tell you this. I will remember this, and every time I drink, I will uh, whilst camping, I will say this <laughs> one's for you, T-Dog. I'm sure, oh, he'll, I'm sure he'd, he'd love it. He'd, he'd love appreciate, it. Yeah, he'd appreciate being called T-Dog after his, uh, <laughs> what he's given to society. Oh, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you into the future, uh, Carla, if you're ready for that. Fun little ditty I found here on uh, the interweb about a man in Montana who was attacked by a bear while camping. Not once, but twice. Oh, no. Yeah, so he was uh, he was just hiking through the woods. He saw a bear, Montana man, and uh, he had all his stuff. You know, he was like a good, good hiker, a uh, responsible hiker and camper. He had bear spray. He saw the bear. The bear was charging full speed at him. He was like, oh, my God. What am I going to do? Uh, oh, but he, you know, he had a little training 
and he had uh, bear spray. So he sprayed the bear, which uh, generally deters aggressive bears, but a grizzly uh, is not like most bears. Gr- grizzly bears are pretty aggressive people. He jumped on top of him, biting his head and his arms uh, before walking into the woods. So the bear just jumped on him, bit his uh, his his uh, his head, the top of his head, and then his arms, oh. and then he left him. He ran back into the woods. Oh, yeah. So the Montana man was hurt. He but he uh, he got up. And uh, he started running back to his car. He could jog back to his car, which is about three miles away. Ten minutes later, she was back. Oh. And they figure because they were going the same direction. So she, the bear oh. ran out of the wood. And he started running back through down the trail. But they were headed in the same direction. So this bear came back out of the woods and was like, Are you that dickhead that sprayed <laughs> bear spray in my eyes? I wasn't even going to attack you is basically with it. This is... Yeah. I, 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 created a narrative with the bear and the man yeah but in my in my eyes he was the bear was just like listen i'm not typically aggressive but you sprayed shit in my eye so then i gave you a little bite and then i saw you again and i'll he was the bear was like come at me bro you know so the bear uh jumped back on him and uh he knew to get down on the ground and cover his neck and his head yeah because you're supposed to cover cover vital organs so they can't get get out your neck and your head because that's what they're trying to do yeah uh to kill you so he uh once again got away from the bear wow. a second time yeah and uh still had the wherewithal to get down to his vehicle and he filmed a video of himself in the vehicle on the way to the hospital oh. being like i'm driving to a uh hospital this is what's happened there was like blood everywhere but he survived the bear attack twice survived got to the hospital drove himself there and still survived and still is like an avid camper hiker and is just like yeah you know like you're in their space he's one of these guys who's just like yeah we're in their space we're in their nature i'd be like guess who uh. i don't like bear <laughs> yeah i'm not i'm not gonna be like the better guy here i'm gonna be like yo remember when you almost right. killed me you're gonna hold a bit of a grudge then against mr yeah. mrs bear mrs bear, Miss, mrs. Mr. Mrs. bear yeah i say f that but you know what He's a bigger man than I. Equal size to Teddy Roosevelt, I I would imagine. Yeah, that's lovely. That's yeah, lovely. So I like that. He still he stills all for the bears and all for camping. So I say go camping. Yeah. And that's um, my, my new story. I have a a fun just little anecdote about uh, my only encounter I think by myself with a bear. I oh, was wow. not camping, but I was in a tent at a friend's cabin and it was out in the middle of nowhere in the middle of BC and They'd said that he was around the day before this bear, but I hadn't seen him or heard him. And then I woke up at 6 a.m. around the time they said he'd visited the day before, and I heard this, like, rustling. So I'm freaking out. I'm all by myself in this tent. My friends are in, like, their cottage. And so I do, like, the perfect thing. I was like, oh, I'll play music and and scare the bear. Oh, what song should I play? (laughs) So... (laughs) I literally was going through my Spotify going, oh, no, and and picked like an indie rock song and played that. And I guess the bear or what could have also been like a raccoon or a squirrel or none of none of the scary things. Or it's just like the guy next door is just like, God, these people and their music loud in the morning. (laughs) Like grumpy old man next door. Yeah. Also, I have, a, I have a question. Why were you out in the yard by yourself and your friend and was softly asleep in their cabin? 
they were uh this was they just bought the cabin and it was like a little mini home so yeah. there was only room for them oh i see yeah. i see so they were I mean, like they were like <laughs> we set you up a pile of straw yeah on the driveway and we put a glass of water next to your head so <laughs> shut shut your mouth and be grateful for the things exactly. people give you you're like okay, okay. yep yep <laughs> Well, right on. That's wicked. That's uh, I think we've completed the uh, the camping portion. Yes. And now we're getting into the good stuff. My favorite, the booze, the booze portion. Yes. The Long Island iced tea, which I don't think I've ever made from scratch before, or actually at all. Well, you know what? I um, I don't think that I've made it myself ever because you know what? I think if you made it yourself, you'd be like, I can't drink this. I'm gonna puke. <laughs> <laughs> that that was what I was thinking while I was mixing this drink. <laughs> it is boozy. It's it's incredibly boozy. And you know what? I go down to Montana. I truly do. Uh, and there's a little bar run by a, a couple uh, local Montanians, uh, both named Randy, boy Randy, girl Randy. And they run uh. a little bar in the campground. We camp there. And they make the most amazing Long Island iced tea. And the thing they do in the States that they don't typically do in Canada is they free pour, which is a dangerous way to mix a, a cocktail yeah. with 74 ounces of booze in it. Yeah, especially this one. So in the Long Island iced tea uh, goes one ounce of vodka, one ounce of gin, one ounce of tequila, one ounce of white rum, lemon juice, or like a bartender's sour, triple sec and a little bit of coke for color and the last time i heard a little coke for color is when my uncle used to get me to make his drinks when i was <laughs> 12 years old and probably shouldn't have been he's like just a little coke for color uh so this is a boozy drink i was surprised at how little coke you really need in this drink but it does kind of taste like iced tea like i that's why it's I so was problematic impressed yeah i love iced tea it's my favorite thing but um yeah, I did not expect it to taste. I mean, it tastes boozy. You can definitely taste all of the different things going on. A lot of tequila in mine, I think, right now. I'm feeling. Well, you know what? That That's the problem with it, though, is that, I mean, for what's in it, which is all your bar clears, it should mm. taste like dog garbage. It yeah. should. It literally should taste awful, and it tastes amazing. Yeah. It tastes like iced tea. Which is, if you've had a few drinks, typically Long Island iced tea isn't your first drink of the night. No. In my in my experience. I think when I'm about ready to go home, I think I should have a Long Island iced tea. Just I've been drinking night, all day long. Night, uh, night, night, what do you call it? A night? Yeah, a nightcap. <laughs> nightcap, there you my, go. My mother says a nightcap is a very boozy, lots of ice in a fancy glass. I don't know if this, oh. uh, this has certainly put you to sleep though. That's what she told me what a nightcap is for. <laughs> That's true, she actually. Said, yeah. She said it's your last drink of the night, so it should put you to bed. Aww. Wise word. Yeah. Wise word from my mother. But okay. the nightcap, the nightcap, the uh, <laughs> the Long Island iced tea was invented by uh, Robert Butt, uh, or Bob Butt, as, as his friends knew him. So we, before, oh, sorry, before you go, we were talking about this last week. We, you were thinking it was going to be a bartender somewhere in that area that created it that was your guess as to the history of this yep. my guess was that it was a bunch of white ladies who just <laughs> pour all their alcohol in a cup so i'm guessing from the first part you you were correct it yeah was it a, was 
It was indeed invented in um, Long Island at the Oak Beach Inn, or as the locals knew it, the OB, the OB at East Hamptons Bay. So it's right on Long Island. Oh. Invented in 1972. And uh, it was actually invented by uh, the guy, the bartender, Bob Butt. He uh, was just in a competition, a local bartender's competition. And it was to see who could make the tastiest drink using triple sec. Oh, really? Yeah. So it was kind of like, what? who does that? Like master chef? They're like, give you a weird ingredient. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're like, here's fish eggs. Make a thing. That's what the, it was like the boozy version of that hmm. in 1972. They were just like, here's some triple sec. See what you can make. And uh, yeah, this is what he came up with. He said he just turned around and put all the bar clears in there. Yeah. And a little bit of Coke for color. And he didn't know what it was going to taste like. He had no idea. That's and, a, uh, that's a big risk. It was a huge risk, and people just, he said he was just like, you know, he was used to making cocktails and, and knew that maybe those flavors would complement one another, and that the sweetness of the Coke would bring it all together. He he, did, he didn't know it was going to taste like iced tea, but uh, when everybody tasted it, they said that tastes like iced tea, so it, uh, uh, that's where the name was uh, coined there, the Long Island Iced Tea. That's amazing. That's a very yeah. good story. I like, I like that he just accidentally made it as part of a contest. Yeah, I actually watched a little, uh, there was a little, like, two-minute documentary on him just on YouTube, and he was talking about, they asked him, like, you know, were you excited about, you know, maybe making some money off this? And he was like, nah, I was just a young kid, I was just a bartender, there was a local competition, we had fun, like, you know, I didn't have any idea this was going to be some big famous drink, but he said it caught on so quickly, and and uh, he thought, you know, he thought only a couple people were going to like it, and now just, it's just the caught on to the whole world. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that's... Ooh. Fun fact about the uh, about the Long Island iced tea is twenty two percent alcohol. So that's not like that much more than a glass of wine, I guess. I mean, a glass of wine is like twelve percent. Well, it's just that it's it's a lot of booze in one cup. Mm -hmm. I would have thought it was higher. I would have thought it was higher too, but it's it's just that that's the percentage of like oh, all that, of the all at once. Yeah. 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 So yeah, that's the uh, that is the Long Island iced tea. It was a good choice. I think the reason we kind of thought of this one for camping, um, obviously it's a little ways away from your uh, your Long Island uh, East Hamptons kind of is East Hamptons fancy like Hamptons? I don't know. I just assume. Yeah, I think it is. Hamptons, the Hamptons Bay is typically somewhere that you know, sort of rich New Yorkers go up to escape the city yeah. and they're kind of escaping yeah that's what they're doing they're going up to hamptons uh, to escape the city and and get away much like you do in your camping exactly and uh and the p place that i camp serves long island iced teas so that's kind of <laughs> perfect also you know it's it's good if everybody brings a little bit of you know you're gonna have somebody show up with some vodka you'll have somebody show up with a bit of gin you just it's kind of the same as like you know bathtub it is a bit of a a bit of a bathtub mixture you're right yeah it's yeah, it's very much something that you would just put together at the end of the night and just be like, serve one of your guests, the last remaining guest at the campfire. <laughs> the one that won't go home. You're yeah. Like, Please drink this and fall asleep. Yeah. Have a little nappy sleepy at the campfire. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's uh, I, I liked I liked it. It's uh, it's not a overly obvious pick, but I think that there's a, a lot of fun correlations here between camping and the Long Island iced tea. Yeah, that's perfect. So I have a couple little uh, interesting facts about camping. Okay, let's hear them. So the uh, world's largest user of tents is the U.S. Department of Defense. Really? 
I guess they got a lot of war stuff going on, and I guess you live in a tent. That's true. But overseas. Well, that's what we'll call war now. Overseas camping. <laughs> that's that, basically what. Yep. I mean, historically, camping? that's what you were doing. You were you were camping. You were in a camp, and you were fighting people. Yeah. And there were tents, and that was the original, you know, reason for having a tent. Now you're so... just fighting for your corner of the sleeping bag. Am I right? <laughs> Uh, oh, and you're talking about that guy that got attacked by um, by wildlife. So it's actually very rare when you're camping to go to be attacked by wildlife. Right. Yeah, um, you're making so much noise. Yeah, they don't want to be in your shit. They've got their own stuff going on. I love that. I always like picturing animals like having some sort of like I like completely like personified them as humans. Yeah. Where I just think that it's like, listen, man. I didn't want to have to come here and tell you to turn it down for the 14th time, <laughs> but I'm getting a little pissed. I got cubs sleeping, you know, that kind yeah. of thing. That's what yeah. I enjoy. Yeah, uh, I'm the same. I have three cats, so I just spend most of my time talking about what are, what they're talking about <laughs> yeah. in my head. But anyway, sorry. So getting killed by wildlife while camping is one of the rarest ways to die. But in 2010, someone was killed by a mountain goat. So... I tried to get more information on it, but Google was a little busy because apparently there is a famous Kamloops, Kamloops, yep, uh, mountain goat that's in BC in Canada, named Gustav, okay, who unfortunately died in 2019 by getting hit by lightning. So when you Google mountain goat dying, <laughs> that's what you get. So poor Gustav. Poor Gustav. That's but, terrible. Yeah. I just, yeah. I just I picture somebody the only way to die by mountain goat is by like some like drunk white bitch being like, You're one of those ones that put jammies on. <laughs> jammies on goats. And then she just gets kicked in her face. Just thought maybe it was, yeah, like it fell on them. <laughs> that was what I was thinking. But then I was like, No, it's a mountain goat. Obviously it's fine. Mountain goats like, are it's, uh, it's... are a burly looking species. They are so funny looking. They're uh they're uh, agile little devils, though. I know. They're good. All that, all those, uh, that hair and that, uh, those horns. Yeah, they got the horns, right? Something for the. Yeah, I think so. It's like a mountain goat and a mountain sheep, essentially the same thing. I. Mm, I don't know. Someone write in and tell yeah, us. If somebody <laughs> knows what the hell we're talking about, you let us know because we don't. I don't know a lot about nature. I only learned that like broccoli comes from the ground the other day. So <laughs> I don't know where I thought it came from. I thought it like was a tree. Like, there are, <laughs> you know what? In your defense, there are some trees shaped like a broccoli, but they, yeah. But I mean, like one entire tree. <laughs> I just thought, you know, you get up there, cut off a little little broccoli bundle, yeah. and uh, <laughs> off you go. Oh my goodness, that seems like something that would be in like a vegetable cartoon or somebody's acid trip. <laughs> Maybe that's where Yeah, it's either here. a teaching tool or a terrible drug experience gone wrong. It's a forest <laughs> full of broccoli trees. Yeah, well you did say trees are relaxing, so uh, maybe we gotta give it a little more credit there. Trees are relaxing. You know what my worst fear is? Is that anybody's gonna fact check me. <laughs> just in life i just talk out my ass and then hope it sounds funny um but trees are relaxing See, that's okay it can't be it's if it's not funny 
then uh, and it's true, what would you prefer? I would prefer funny and maybe yeah. slightly less. Yo, funny. if it's not funny and it's not true, you're just a liar. But what I'm doing yeah. is I'm just <laughs> spinning the truth a little bit for for uh, comic's sake. For little, you're creating art. Yeah, that's what I tell people. I'm I'm an artist. <laughs> I'm creating art. <laughs> are those all your fun facts? Those are my fun facts. You guys, we had uh, just an absolute blast again this week. Uh, don't forget to tune in next Thursday for the latest episode of Life Pairings. Uh, we will post today's drinks on Instagram at Life Pairings Podcast. Please tag us. We want to see your uh, Long Island iced teas and maybe your uh, special flair on there. So tag us again at uh, at Life Pairings Podcast. Also, for any questions or suggestions, send us an email to lifepairingspodcast at gmail.com. We look forward to your questions. Uh, comments and likes please like and subscribe all this that helps us out so much share it uh and we can't wait to to talk to you again next week yes and someone write in and tell us what the difference is between a mountain goat and a mountain that's sheep. all we want to know you know yeah and all of this all right thank you so much and we'll uh we'll see you soon thanks guys